The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Well, now we're joined by Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. And Luke is on the move. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Pat. How's it going? Uh, very well. Where are you? Yeah, I'm two uh, hours from the Polish border, if you can believe it. But we're delivering medical supplies to Ukraine and we should hit Poland uh, later tonight, early tomorrow morning. And then a bunch of Ukrainian doctors are coming over to pick up a whole load of medical supplies. We have lots of trauma gear in the back of the truck here. So it's, it's part of a, an initiative that was begun by uh, Ukrainian doctors in Dublin, in Ireland, actually. It's called Medical Help Ukraine. So I'm, I'm on my way to Poland, basically. And uh, your role in this uh, is just because you're a horse of a man uh, and an extra <laughs> pair of hands to empty the pallets. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Medical friends of mine are heavily involved. And they asked me to come along, basically. You know, and we loaded up the truck, actually, uh, last weekend. They've sent, lo- they've sent five million euros worth of medical supplies into Ukraine already, you see. And then this evening, three Ukra- the three Ukrainian doctors in Ireland, they're flying in and joining us. And then we transfer the stuff over to trucks and it gets driven across the border, basically. It's a great example, Pat, of cutting out the middleman, actually, because they sent shopping lists from hospitals in Ukraine to the Ukrainian doctors in Ireland. And we, we filled up those shopping lists, basically. So it's a really good example of getting getting the equipment and supplies to where it's really needed. Yeah, and this is uh, definitely everything that is got, purchased, borrowed, whatever, donated, uh, goes directly to help those who, who most need it. Now, cash is very useful too, so uh, there is a GoFundMe page if you go to GoFundMe.com uh, and Ireland-Medical-Help-Ukraine. That's it, exactly. Yeah. If you search Medical Help Ukraine is the, is the site, I guess, the simplest way to do it. And, and any money will be gratefully received, Pat, really, because there's a massive need here. I mean, last night we saw Medicines on Frontier have said their big need now is medical supplies because 100 hospitals have been bombed, you see, and all the equipment has been destroyed, you know. And basic meds they've run out of, even insulin and antibiotics and so on, you know, as well as trauma stuff, obviously, because of all the injuries that are happening. So the, the need is huge here, basically. So any, any contribution we gratefully received, really. And we heard earlier this morning uh, from uh, Olga Tokyaruk, the reporter for us in Ukraine, that uh, Syrian doctors are teaching doctors in Ukraine how to cope with injuries uh, which uh, arise from chemical attacks. So it's a very difficult situation. Have you any apprehension at all uh, heading in towards the war zone? No, not at all. We're not, going, we're not going into Ukraine itself, of course, because what's happening is the Ukrainian doctors are driving across the border to meet us, you know, and they're, they're bringing their trucks empty. And then we basically transfer our truckload of stuff into their trucks and then they drive back across the border. The three Ukrainian doctors, though, coming from Ireland, they're going to cross the border with the convoy, you know, and go back into Ukraine to Kiev, mainly, you see, because obviously they're the ones who are most directly involved in this. And the, the number one thing, Pat, that's needed is trauma stuff. There's so much injury happening. They're running out of bandages, simple things like tourniquets, you know, uh, lines and fluids and all that kind of stuff. They're crying out for those at the moment. And luckily enough, that's the main stuff that we have in our truck. It's mainly first aid equipment, really, you know. So that, that's the stuff that's really needed for the moment. All right. Uh, well, uh, we'll uh, hear back from you when uh, you're, you proceed uh, further into that territory, Luke. But uh, let's talk to keep you busy while you're on the road and, and watching the countryside roll by. Uh, we've got, yeah. obviously, COVID to deal with here. And the first thing is a study that I saw uh, which says ivermectin no good. 
Yeah, really important, Pat, that study. It's a gold standard, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial that we're all waiting for. You know, it's, it's the third study, actually, that's been done really well. No effect, no benefit of any kind whatsoever. They tried really hard because there was a chance for ivermectin. Remember, in the early days, there was some evidence. But now this New England Journal paper, that's the end of ivermectin, basically, because it didn't just, it doesn't work, basically. It's like hydroxychloroquine, in a sense. You know, it's kind of come and gone now. So so no, no scientific evidence really to support ivermectin's use, in spite of all the the lobbying that was there, you know. So really, that that was the tin lid in it in many ways. Now, uh, one thing that does work is Paxlovid, which is an, an antiviral. Tell me about the status of that at the moment in Ireland. It's really important because that drug, remember, decreases hospitalisation by ninety percent. You know. And as we know, the pressure on the healthcare system is huge at the moment. You know, if Paxlova was available, it would decrease hospitalisation. It's used in the community, you see. Now, at the moment, the HSC and the Department of Health are, are discussing it because of the pricing issue, you see. It's, it's a complicated thing, Pax, because there can be what are called contraindications with other meds and so on, you know. But really, I'd press for Paxlova to be made available as soon as possible because it literally decreases hospitalisation. And of course, the pressure is on the hospital system. So we're all kind of saying, look, please try and expedite uh, the availability of that drug because it's so effective. So by making Paxlovid available, uh, it would ease the pressure on the people in hospitals who are saying, really, this is the worst it's been. You've got so many people coming in, may not be seriously ill from COVID itself, but they've been diagnosed with COVID on admission. They've got something else wrong with them, uh, but therefore they have to be isolated. They've got to be treated just like a, a COVID patient who's seriously ill with COVID. They've got to be isolated and kept apart. And uh, that's putting massive pressure. Keep those people out. No problem. Exactly. Paxlovid stops people ending up in hospital. That's the bottom line. That's what the trial showed. A great weapon, isn't it? Let's face it. I mean, if we can have a drug that protects people from the disease progressing into severity, they're less likely to end up in hospital. And that's immediately relieving pressure then, isn't it? You know, so so certainly I'd I'd be saying, look, please try to get that drug available in Ireland, you see, is, is the goal here, really. Now, the other question is uh, how to keep everyone as safe as possible, and that is the question of masking. Um, There's a lot of kind of dissing of masks. Who wants to go back to that kind of thing? I've even heard it on this station. Uh, But you would say there is a place definitely for mask wearing. Definitely, yeah. I mean, this, this Scotland Pat, has, has deferred lifting the mandate. They've realised, let's keep masks going to Easter time, they've said, you know. So that they're, they're saying keep wearing masks, you know. In Germany, actually, literally an hour ago, we pulled into a service station and one of the guys in the truck went into the shop without wearing a mask and the woman shouted at him. And I asked her, you know, oh, they're mandated in Germany, you know. So everywhere, lots of places say masks are really effective. At a minimum, they'll decrease the dose of virus that's spreading, you know. And that means then less severe disease if someone gets infected because less less virus goes into them, you know, and that's a benefit, isn't it? And I'd definitely be saying, look, advocate for them strongly, obviously, as we've said, certainly on public transport, you know, for the next three or four weeks until this surge passes, it'll slow down spread. And yet again, that won't have a, a huge effect, but it will, it will decrease pressure on the hospital system more than likely if we see them being deployed. Um, a question from a listener. What about uh, COVID in Ukraine? Obviously, if they had a vaccination program that was ongoing, it would have been uh, disrupted totally yeah. by the war. But what are the rates uh, in Ukraine? Because obviously, if there are people unvaccinated who are coming to the various Western European countries, uh, people may be fearful they'll bring in maybe another variant of COVID even. Well, it's a concern, Pat, because there's only 30% vaccination rate in Ukraine, for instance. Many Eastern European countries had a, had a low uptake 
of vaccines for various reasons. So they're really unvaccinated as a population, you know. And the fear now is it'll spread like wildfire because, of course, viruses love disruption and movement, which is what's happening in Ukraine. So one of the Ukrainian doctors was uh, mentioning this to me. There's a concern about a huge surge in Ukraine now, really, you know, and that, that would be something to keep an eye on for definite. Now, again, they're trying to get vaccines like everything else uh, in Ukraine, in a sense. But obviously the war has hugely disrupted that. So it is definitely a worry. Yeah, and we know there was a suspicion of a Russian vaccine, Sputnik. You know, uh, they don't like anything Russian at the moment. Yeah. They certainly don't want Sputnik. I suppose an opportunity for Western countries, though, to offer vaccination uh, to people coming in uh, immediately yeah. to their countries and, and uh, help them there. Um, the, the question, uh, there's an article in The Guardian this morning, you may not have had time to, to look at it, but it's about um, the UK having still believing in three big myths about Omicron. And the first one is about the the myth that uh, it's now endemic and we can live with it and it's fine. The pandemic is over. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, the word endemic versus epidemic and versus pandemic comes up a lot, you know, but I mean, cl- clearly the, 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 these coronavirus family will be with us into the future, you know, and there will be occasional outbreaks. Now, whether we can live with it is, is what, what that's questioning, I guess. But, but the worry always, Pat, is long COVID, remember, even though the vaccines are stopping severe disease, there's still a risk if you get infected, you might develop persistent symptoms. So we shouldn't be taking this lightly. We shouldn't be saying, oh, it's all over, you know, because those concerns are still there. Now, the second myth they talk about is that coronavirus is just continuing to evolve to be milder. And each new variant will be milder and milder until it becomes the common cold. Now, you and I talked about this. It's not so. There's, what, 2,000 variants there? And who knows what comes next? That's a complete myth. Yeah, that, that's an absolute myth. There's no guarantee that the virus gets milder, basically. What happens is our immune system gets better at fighting it, of course, that it appears to be milder, you know, but that's more to do with the immune system working better, you know, but there's still a risk of a more malign variant cropping up almost randomly anywhere. The other worry, Pat, is with this massive surge in Europe, that could give rise to an extra variant, remember, because every time the virus divides, there's a potential for a new variant. So again, that's a definite myth that it's going to get milder as time goes by. But the, but the good news, remember, is the immune system is out of fight it, either through vaccination or, or natural immunity. Yeah. Now, the third myth that they talk about in the UK is that somehow we've finished our vaccination programme uh, and there's, you know, that's not necessarily true. We know in the United States they've given the OK for the over 50s to get a fourth shot. Uh, so vaccination may become a more regular part of our lives than we had expected. Yeah, I mean, as we've discussed before, it will be like the flu vaccine every winter you'll get a COVID vaccine like you will with the flu, maybe in the one shot, which would be very convenient, you know. But every winter for the vulnerable and the older people, just like flu, we can expect to see vaccines continuing into the future. And then as we discussed, the next gen vaccines will be better even than the ones we have, you see. So so in other words, it is, is going to be with us for the foreseeable future as another infectious disease. And then vaccine, every, a vaccination every winter will be a great way to protect us. Yeah. Um, Question coming in or a comment. Uh, Paxlovid will be great to have, but one of its ingredients can interact with lots of medications, including certain medications that many immunocompromised people may take. So it may not be the answer for everyone. Yeah, that's a very good. That's probably why they're taking their time on it, Pat, in a sense, because it'll be given by GPs, probably, you see, in the community. They need to know what these contraindications are with other meds, you know, and there is a list of them, actually. So it's a bit, little bit, a bit, little bit complicated, you know, and they're still kind of figuring that out, which is why it isn't widely available. But again, they're on top of that. And, and there's a way to say, look, if you're, if you're on Medicine X, sadly, you can't have Paxlovid. But, but, but the majority will still be able to have it, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, it is a numbers game. If you can reduce the overall numbers, then those who yeah. do have to go into hospital have uh, a better chance of being looked after um, simply because of the fewer numbers. Uh, by the way, Paxlovid, is it manufactured in Ireland as well? It is. Yeah, in Ringoskiddy. Yeah, that's the other irony in a way. And, and we can't get access to it for the moment. You know? No, it's being made in Ireland, which uh, is, is another thing to remember. You know? I, I would expect that it will, it will come along once they've sorted the price. Pricing is the other question you see is it too expensive and so on? And then they look at that, obviously, when a new drug comes along anyway, you know? So the pricing issue and the in- contraindications with other meds is the, are the two key issues, I guess, they're examining at the moment, you know? Uh, this one, uh, can you ask, Luke, what are the chances of NIAC ever making a decision on the, the Janssen recipients getting a third dose? Four months on and NIAC still haven't given a decision. Everyone else can get three jabs now. There's talk of a fourth, but Ken is still yeah. labouring under his two Janssens. It's a very important question. That's come up a fair bit, actually. Yeah, we'd, we'd like a directive from that from NIAC, wouldn't we? Because that should clarify that for people who've had Janssen base. And there's loads of them, as you know, have had that Janssen. So let's hope they, 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 they give information on that. And then also the fourth dose, but we're waiting for information on that. And the, and the, and the FDA in America have approved the fourth dose for the over 50s. Uh, a huge Israeli study shows the fourth dose really restores immunity in the older population. You know, So again, that's another great weapon, isn't it, really, to, to decrease risk of hospitalisation in, in those older people. Gary and Ballycullen says, I got a text from the HSE to make an appointment for my fourth jab, a second booster, in other words. Looks like it started already. Now, we don't have detail from Gary whether he's on a list of yeah. immunocompromised or people with an underlying condition. Uh, but anyway, we, right. we know that uh, certain people, those uh, who got the third jab for health reasons in advance maybe of everyone else, they will be invited for the, the fourth jab. Um uh, so another one, can anyone get a fourth bo- booster or is it for only older and in- immunocompromised people? My booster is from December. It's surely running out. I'd happily take a fourth. Can I? Not, 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 yet, not, I not at the moment. But you're right, Pat. The ones who are immunocompromised are being offered the fourth dose because they're very important to get it because they've got a less effective immune system, you know. So they're, they're being called now, you know. And again, older people, I think maybe in, maybe the over 80s or something. I'm not quite sure what the guideline is at the moment. But but I'd be advocating for the over 60s to be called now for the fourth dose. They'll be called in the winter anyway, you know, because as we say, there will yeah. be a, a winter vaccination. Get it in now because why, why not vaccinate them now? It seems to be the thing to do. Like, like yeah. other countries are doing, you see. Are they waiting for maybe Pfizer might get the OK for an Omicron-specific booster or maybe Valneva will deliver the universal one for us in time for that booster programme? Uh, who knows? It could, it could be that. Yes, it is complicated with these new vaccines coming along, I guess, and we'll be wait till, say, August say, or September. But I'd be embarking on that campaign now in the over 60s, really. Anyway, your own level of confidence should be high because uh, you had all your your bits and pieces, and then you got COVID. So I did. Your, yeah, I'm fine. your immune system yeah, is right. is is like uh, one of the Ukrainian rather than the Putin tanks. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Un- tip, tip unstoppable. Unstoppable is right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Luke. Well, we, as I say, we'll hear from you your great adventures uh, in uh, a great humanitarian cause heading for the Polish border and all the way uh, towards Ukraine. Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry in Trinity College, Dublin, have a safe journey. Music.